Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I ask that you would come and reign in a particular way now. I ask that hearts would be awakened to experience a kind of passion for the hallowing of your name that we have never known before. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to address pastors, so others in the room are welcome to listen, and I hope that will be okay. I have a very simple message for you, and it's this. Be a radically God-centered pastor. What I want to do is take the text, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed Be Your Name, and simply unpack it for the sake of your God-centered ministry. Or another way to say it would be, I want to unpack the meaning, as I understand it, of the theme of this conference, aspire, yearning to join God's kingdom activity. And the word aspire and yearning are affectional words. They're emotions. What do we aspire to, yearn for, ache for, desire, long for? What do we want to see happen? What are we passionate for? What do we plead for? If you aspire, you plead. If you yearn and ache, you pray, which led me to the Lord's Prayer and to the first petition in particular. If you aspire for engagement in God's kingdom activity, then you pray for it. You pray for it to happen. What do we aspire for first and supremely? What do you yearn for, long for, plead for, above all, above all? What did he tell us in the Lord's Prayer to long for, aspire to, yearn for first? And above everything, what should be the all-defining, all-shaping, all-controlling desire of our hearts as pastors? He said, desire this first, hallowed be your name. Plead for this above all. Father, cause your name to be hallowed. Cause your name to be hallowed first, right here. Then cause your name to be hallowed in my five children and in my wife. Then cause your name to be hallowed in my church. And cause your name to be hallowed in my denomination. And cause your name to be hallowed in my city. And cause your name to be hallowed among those unreached peoples that are carrying the weight of this conference. Lord, do this. Act, O oh God, for the sake of the 
hallowing of your name wherever it isn't hallowed or wherever it's not hallowed with the white hot affection with which it ought to be hallowed. That's the first aspiration the Lord Jesus told us to have. I grew up thinking that the first petition of the Lord's Prayer was not a petition at all. It was an acclamation. I didn't, I just didn't even think about it. I, every time I said, hallowed be thy name, I thought I was saying something like, praise you that your name is hallowed or something to that effect. It, it never occurred to me for about 22 years of my life that this is a petition. It's an imperative. Hagiastheto is a third person imperative. We don't have those in English. We usually translate it, let your name be hallowed or something like that, which sounds like we're asking God to give permission, which obviously is not the case. But here's an analogy. The same exact form is used in Acts 2.38, baptistheto, where Peter has finished his sermon, and they're crying out, what should we do? And he says, let every one of you be baptized. Exactly the same. Hagias theto, baptist theto. You hear that theto on the end. That's the third person imperative. And we all know what Peter meant when he said, let every one of you be baptized. He meant, go be baptized. He didn't mean, I acclaim this or I ask you to give permission for this. This was a direct third-person imperative. That's what we have in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. God, do this. Act. Do whatever it takes in my life that I would live for the hallowing of your name. Do whatever you have to do on Bethlehem Baptist Church in order that we as a people passionately hallow your name. Do whatever you have to do in our missionaries, oh God, so that they become instruments of bringing the nations to the hallowing of your name. It's a command rendered humbly to the Almighty. You might ask, I asked myself anyway, if you're going to unpack the theme of the conference, aspire, yearning to join God's kingdom activity, why don't you use the second petition of the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come. That's perfect. God is at work establishing his reign in human hearts and in cultures around the world. Pray it down. Go to the second petition. It links up better with the conference theme. So why aren't you, Piper? I ask myself. Here's the reason. Eight months ago, I mean uh, a year ago, whenever I did, I took an eight-month leave of absence last year. Soul check, marriage check, 
ministry check. Spent a lot of time meditating on the Lord's Prayer, assessing 40 years of ministry and what I had tried to give myself to. I saw something in the Lord's Prayer I had never seen before. I'm going to try to show it to you in such a way that you'll see that it's really there. I have tried to devote my life with all my husband failures, father failures, pastor failures, friend failures, any other possible failures, I'm sure I've done them, to the God-centeredness of God and my aspiring, yearning to join him in that activity. God is passionately about hallowing the name of God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told us to pray this way. And therefore, since that's God's high number one passion, that his name be hallowed, I just want to get on with that. I want to be there with all my heart. So I was meditating on the Lord's Prayer, seeking an assessment. How am I doing? Am I kidding myself? Is this really what I love? The hallowing of God's name, the being an instrument for others coming to hallow his name, not my name. And I saw something utterly unique about the first petition of the Lord's Prayer I'd never seen before in relationship to the other five petitions. The first petition is hallowed be your name. Let your name be hallowed. Cause, O God, work, act, rise up, O God, in me and my family and in this world and cause your name to be hallowed. There's something unique about that petition over against all the others. Before this, I had, I had understood the Lord's Prayer roughly like this. And I think this is accurate as far as it goes. I, I hope you, you've seen this. The first three petitions, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, are served by the last three. We need bread or we die. So if I'm going to do that, those first three, I need to live. So please, just give me enough to live. And I need forgiveness because I'm a guilty sinner. And if you don't cleanse my conscience, I just can't even press on with this ministry. So God, forgive me my debts. And God, I've got an enemy and he's just going to wrap me up and throw me out if you don't protect me from the evil one and don't lead me into temptation. So those three, it just seems plain to me, serve the first three. I'd seen that already. That made sense. I love that. I think that's true. I think we ought to teach our people to pray like that with those priorities. With bread sustained life and forgiveness liberated conscience and heart protected from the evil one, we throw ourselves into hallowing his name and seeking his kingdom and doing his will the way the angels do it in heaven. Yes, that's right. But I had overlooked something. Don't know whether you have. 
this prayer is not structured simply as three majestic, God-exalting ministry passions at the beginning undergirded by three practical, on-the-ground, nitty-gritty needs to that end. It's not structured just that way. The first petition is unique. It's not just three plus three, it's one plus five. Here's the uniqueness of the first petition. It's the only petition in the prayer that asks God to perform a specific response of the human heart, hallowing, reverencing, honoring, esteeming, admiring, valuing, treasuring God's name above all things. None of the other five ask God explicitly, perhaps implicitly, but not explicitly, produce a specific heart response. God, the coming of God's kingdom gives rise to heart responses, but they're not named here. The doing of God's will includes heart responses, but they're not named here. Eating our daily bread sustains us to give responses from our heart, but it isn't named here. Being forgiven releases us with joy to have responses from our heart, but they're not named here. And being delivered from the evil one unleashes us in tremendous courage for responses, but they're not named. But in petition number one, it is named. Oh God, cause from all the human hearts this glorious response to happen. May your name be hallowed. It's unique. Hallowing. We're praying, aspiring, yearning, pleading with God that human heart, starting with this most needy one, would hallow the name of God. Literally, value supremely the holiness of God. Esteem His name as holy. Treasure His name as holy. And what is holy? Holy means infinitely valuable because he is so high and exalted and separate that he's in a class by himself. His holiness is his utterly unique, transcendent godness. If you take the utterly unique, transcendent godness of God and put it in the balance of a scale on this side. And then you put all other being in the balance on this side. All the 
the waters of the oceans, all the sands of the deserts and all the rocks of the mountains, and all the galaxies, and all the demons in hell, and all the unfallen angels in heaven, all reality that is not God, and put it in this balance on this side of the scale, it goes up like air. Because the holiness of God, the godness of God, the pure transcendent godness of God is the infinitely valuable, worthy, weighty reality of the universe and outside and above the universe. All is as nothing compared to God and His holiness. So we're praying God caused there to be affections rising up in my heart to treasure and value and reverence and esteem and love this about you and make me and my church and my missionaries an instrument in bringing millions of people to have this particular heart response towards you. And I had never noticed that the first petition is the only, only one that called for, prayed for that unique response. Now add two other things. One, it's the first petition. So, not only is it the only one that is praying for God to produce a specific, explicit human response, but it's number one. It's listed as number one. And then add this third thing to those two. The word name, hallowed be your name, comes closer to the essence of God and the character of God, the person of God, then does kingdom or will. Those are massive, glorious realities, but name, as you all know, is Him. Who He is, the sum of His whole character and being is His name, Yahweh, I Am. That's His name. And so we're praying First, we're praying for the only explicit human response mentioned, hallow, and we're praying, do that for his name, his being, his, his person. So it's not structured merely 3-3, three, three. it's structured 1-5. So coming near the end of that eight-month leave of absence, pondering these things, and assessing myself. I wrote this on October 9 in my journal. My one great passion, nothing is more clear and unshakable to me than that the purpose of the universe is the hallowing of God's name. His kingdom comes for that. His will is done for that. Humans have bread sustained life for that. Sins are forgiven for that. 
temptation is escaped for that. And then on the next day, October 10, I wrote this, Lord, grant that I would in all my weaknesses and limitations remain close to the one clear grand theme of my life, your magnificence. So in unpacking the theme, aspire, yearning to join God's kingdom activity, the reason I didn't go to the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, but to the first, hallowed be your name, is because the activity of God in establishing his kingdom in the human heart is so that human hearts would reverence his name. In other words, I'm pushing you, I'm pushing myself, and I'm trying to push you up through glorious penultimate realities to the ultimate reality. This is what I think pastors should do for their people. Push and push through glorious. In no way would I belittle the coming of the kingdom. In no way would I belittle the doing of the will of God on the planet the way the angels do it in heaven. Oh, but I'm going to push myself through and up to what's it all finally about? What's the ultimate purpose of all things? And it is clear to me, and I think it's all over the Bible, that the ultimate purpose of all things is the hallowing of God's name, the treasuring the loving of God's name in eternity. We will not hallow the name of God so that anything happens. We will not hallow God's name as a means to anything. It's the end. When you have arrived at millions upon millions of people hallowing the name of God, you've reached the end. They don't do that for something. They do everything for that. Oh, we will, we will be engaged joyfully in 10,000 activities in the age to come. But those 10,000 activities will only glorify God to the degree that they are done out of a hallowing heart that esteems and reverences and treasures God's name above all 10,000 activities. If they are done any other way, those glorious activities are prostituted and do not achieve their eternal purpose. The king will give 10,000 gifts to his children in the last day. And none of those gifts will honor the Lord unless they are received by hearts which are treasuring him over all 10,000 gifts. 
In other words, there is a purpose for activities and there is a purpose for gifts and the purpose is to give something with which to hallow his name as the ultimate end and goal of all things. So when I said, pastors, be a radically God-centered pastor, what I meant was this, that the hallowing of God's name would be the supreme goal of your ministry and the aim of every breath you take. Whatever other glorious works of God, glorious ways of God, glorious attributes of God you are gripped by, and you should be. Whatever other works of God, whatever other ways of God, whatever other attributes of God you are gripped by, besides this one, I'm pleading with you, be supremely entranced by God's holy name and plead with God, aspire, yearn that God's rule in your life would go here, would take your heart out of itself in a white, hot, hallowing, reverencing, enjoyment, treasuring, admiring of the name of God. Pray for that. He told us to pray for it. Isn't that wonderful? He told us to pray that that happened in our hearts. One last reason for why I have chosen to focus on petition number one, namely the hallowing of God's name. You are Southern Baptists. And I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. There is a soft spot in my heart. My church is part of the Baptist General Conference now called Converge Worldwide. I know that I'm speaking to a group called Southern Baptists and I know some things about you which I love. I know that you are driven by a passion for world evangelization, and I love that. And I know, therefore, that you love the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And therefore, I close by making something very clear. It is for the sake of the gospel, that is, for the truth of the gospel and the purpose of the gospel and the power of the gospel that I am summoning you to a God-entranced hallowing of his holy name. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How did he do it? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world 
to vindicate the infinite worth of God's holiness, which had been desecrated by our sin, and which seemed this name and this holiness which had been so desecrated by my sins and millions of sins seemed to be taken lightly because it was being passed over for nothing more than the blood of bulls. You've got to be kidding. The blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin can't vindicate holiness. That's why he came. He came to set that system right. He came to vindicate the holiness of God, which had been so desecrated by my sin and your sin and all the sins of the Old Testament saints. I'm getting this, as you know, from Romans 3.25. Jesus came to set it right. The holiness of God would be vindicated by something more precious and more infinitely valuable than the blood of bulls. An infinite sacrifice repaired, an infinite injustice done to infinite holiness. In other words, in the gospel, more clearly than anywhere in the universe, God's name was hallowed. The infinite worth of God's holy name was infinitely treasured by the obedient Son of God. The infinitely valuable Son of God infinitely treasured God's name and paid infinitely for the vindication of God's infinitely pure, transcendent name. Therefore, brothers, pastors, I conclude, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the name and for the sake, therefore, of the nations, be a radically God-centered pastor. Father, I ask that there would be unleashed in the Southern Baptist Convention, in every pastor's heart, and in every church, and in all the agencies, in all the missionaries, there would be unleashed a fresh, new, profound, deep, unshakable, unwavering hallowing of your holy name. Through Christ I pray. Amen.